0: Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. Hello there, and welcome back to Frankie Sense and More. It's been a while. We've taken the summer off. I had my wonderful granddaughter, Emma, was born, and I'm so excited today to introduce you to some amazing folks that I'm fortunate enough to meet every week guest like my guest today, Stephanie Welch. She's a filmmaker extraordinaire. Stephanie is a documentarian and executive director of Paragon Media. She is a non, uh, which is a nonprofit media organization that uh, co-produced. Um, a dangerous idea, eugenics, genetics, and the American dream, of which Stephanie is the director, producer, and co writer of stud film. She's also the produ- senior producer, sorry, of the award winning syndicated program, Bioneers Radio, Revolution from the Heart of Nature, and she co produced the radio documentary Bio Wars. First, Do No Harm, which uh, actually won the National Federation of Community Broadcasters Silver Reel Award. And she is also a radio, an audio rangy. I can't even speak now. Oh my gosh, it's been too long. She's an, <laughs> an audio engineer for Women Rising Radio. Wow. And she's joining me today on the Good Radio Network. Um, Brent Marchand should be here, and I expect that he will be. You all know him as the Good Radio Network correspondent, movie correspondent. And for those who don't know me, and I can't imagine who you might be, (laughs) I'm your host, Frankie Picasso, and welcome to our show today. Wow. (laughs) Stephanie, you know, it's obvious that um, you're a humanitarian, an activist, a fifth dimensional thinker. And when I look at all the projects that you're involved in, the social impact is huge for you. Um, and I think it is as big for you as it is for me. And so I kind of, before I deep dive into this film, which I think is amazing, um, let's get to know who you are for a moment. Where did you grow up? What, you know, what did you want to be when you were a kid and all that other cool stuff?
1: Well, I grew up in Kentucky originally. We moved around quite a bit around the, around the country. Um, we're in Kentucky. It was it's Western Kentucky, so near near the land between the lakes. Murray is where I went to college. First, I went to college and high school and everything. Nice. And then, um, but then I was I had the California fever, and I left when I was seventeen and came out to California. Um, but I, you know, when I think back, it's like all of these times that I felt like I was a producer. I was constantly producing news shows and things when I was little and interviewing people and. So So you always wanted to
0: be on, on, uh, you wanted to be in the movies or on air or what did you think you wanted to do?
1: Well, at that point, I didn't even know you could make movies until I was in college. I I, it was radio and TV was all I knew about, you know, and then, um, and then I got to Humboldt State actually in Arcata, California, and that's where I was introduced on the curriculum to super eight films and things like that and documentary and I was like, what? You know, it's up. You're hooked. I think I took all film classes in audio production and forgot just didn 't do any you know regular general ad, I just jumped and jumped right into it, you know, and i 'd have enjoyed it uh, You know
0: it 's so interesting because um, I, I I grew up in Canada mostly, and then when I was thirteen, we moved to Kentucky. so I went to high school in Louisville, Kentucky, the first year of desegregation, so it was
1: oh my gosh yeah, yeah
0: so I was in in this very wealthy white high school, which was i 'd come from a little private school of like twelve kids in a, in a room. 2,000 kids, right? Like 200 in our, in our English class. First year desegregation. I had no idea what was going on. And all I knew they were busing these black kids in and everybody was all in a uproar. And it was crazy. It was crazy. That This movie just meant so much to me because it, it just reminded me of that time so, so much. And, you know, we in Canada, because it's so diverse and our culture is all around diversity. Um, it, it racism wasn't rampant like it was like it is, you know, in the U S. And so I had never experienced really experienced true racism before I moved to Louisville. And, uh, like you, I wanted to go into, you know, journalism, uh, photojournalism. And, um, I went, I, I moved to St. Louis and there it was like 10 times even worse. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, how crazy is this? So did you always want, like, was activism a part of who you were like saving things or wanting to make right wrongs or
1: you know I don't know I think justice was always sort of the you know fairness and everything I think was always a big thing for me yeah up. yeah I didn't like bullies and like you know people getting picked on and when things weren't fair it, it drove me a little crazy you know but I think I think it wasn't until college where it really started understanding that you could you know, get involved and do things that um, could help change, you know, po- politically and everything yeah. like that. I think so, my yeah. my first interview was Jesse Jackson from, and I was in I was in university, and
0: I'm like, oh my god, look at this, you know. I mean, it was crazy. It was so exciting, and and I guess here in Canada, I shouldn't say there was no racism because when you look at the Aboriginal, you know, you hey, they were displaced, <laughs> and like that's like the biggest thing that you could ever do to, uh, you know, people almost except you know steal them from Africa and bring them over here to work for you, <laughs> you know.
1: It's crazy, really. So history in Canada about indigenous peoples and, and as we talk about in the film sterilization and a lot of these things happen in Canada too.
0: They they do. And, you know, and I realized in Alberta it was like a really awful place to, to live, um you know, even up until the seventies. So the idea in this film that, you know, I, I look at you and I think you're an intelligent woman. I'm an intelligent woman and the people in this film are very intelligent people. And yet they think very differently from you and I in terms of <laughs> women, you know, are always going to be less than men, uh, blacks, you know, are feeble minded or, you know, d- d- these, these silly ideas, um, that, that came about when eugenics and gen and the idea of genetics are, you know, predisposition us to thinking and being a different way. So we're already precast in a role that, you know, Oh my God, we should just kill them all off because if they're born, you know, they're just going to wreck society.
1: A lot of people have that attitude. Yeah. It's, and they
0: still <laughs> like did it surprise you as you delved into this making the film some of the some of the ideas that came out
1: it was it was a, we researched for a very long time, we were doing a lot of research over the years, and yeah it was it was exhausting too just just and just mentally just difficult to be reading all of this stuff all the time and digging up this these horrible you know views and just trying the attempts to justify them through science, you know so we When we started the film project, um, we were focusing on agriculture. We we were looking at genetics, and we were looking at the this current science of genetics at the time, two thousand five or so, and um, and the human genome project and that sort of thing. We're looking at how the Santos of the world, yeah, (laughs) being affected by these new discoveries about DNA. And just slowly, and we we're looking at medicine, you know, and gene therapy and these things that just these things weren't happening the way that, that the biotech industry was promising and all this. And then we decided um, the more we looked into it, the more we found out about eugenics. And and our co-writer, Andy Kimbrell, he um, wrote a book called The Human Body Shop, which is about, um, basically about commodification of the human body in terms of blood and surrogacy and these kinds of things. And he wrote about eugenics but even he was you know looking like these are these are things that we did not know about historically and just felt like the more and more we learned the more we thought that this was the story to tell when it came to genetics because it's very specifically about personality about who you become who you are you know what makes you who you are and it was just clear that you know that there was nothing behind the science uh, of eugenics and, and the claims even today about genes and genetics. And, and it just seemed like that's where we should shift the focus in the film. And that's why it took us so long um, to get it done and really focusing on the social aspects of it. And- I
0: mean, it's crazy when you think about the American dream and, and the founding fathers and Thomas Jefferson, you know, who wrote, who, who wrote that declaration of independence and talks about, um, you know, the idea that everybody has, their right, has the right to pursue happiness and that everybody is, you know, created equal under the eyes of, of the creator. And and yet, you know, were they only talking about white men were created equal under the eyes, you know, rich or poor, and but everybody else, not so much.
1: No, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the, that's, that was really the theme that came through the more we were looking at how do we frame the film. And it's, you know, here's the American dream or the claim about the American dream. You can be anything you want to be. And um, and then there's this other view that was completely the opposite, saying no, that's actually not true. It's sorted out, you know, right before you're born. And we felt like that was the contradiction that America's always had and continues to have. You know, why why do we have the kinds of inequality that we have now? The only unless you're you know the, the really the only excuse that you can come up with is that it's an inherent problem in the people who are poor or the people who are not doing as well or whatever. Um, because when you start to admit that there are, you know, rules right from the beginning that that limit people's abilities, then it starts to get political, and then you have to actually do something about it. So it's a really easy excuse, starting way back with the, the founding of the country. It's it was very surprising to me the individuals on the eugenic
0: side, as I as I you know looked at your film and I researched a little bit more, people that you don't think about, Teddy Roosevelt, who you think about as somebody who really was a man of the people and wanted to help the people. On the other side, he was a big proponent of eugenics. And, you know, he believed that that certain people-minded feeble people shouldn't exist in the world. Alexander Graham Bell, you know, <laughs> it's ironic. He thought Jeff people should not you know, be allowed to marry and, and mm-hmm. you know pass that on to other people, which is kind of funny in a way. I don't know why I find that so funny, but um yeah,
1: if it's hereditary, I mean, I think that's the always the.
0: But just you know, the guy who has a telephone. Well, if you can't hear my telephone, you you're not allowed to live. You know, <laughs> um, and, and 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 you know, as you were talking about through the movie, you, you know, there was Nixon and Reagan and and Bill Clinton, and for the most part, it was you know the Republicans um, who favored. favored you know eugenics although that you know we had the dappling of the roosevelts and and the clinton in there um who thought and even he signed the bill that it was a good idea you know
1: yeah i mean it went across the political spectrum actually you know democrats you know yeah parties were so different than progressives and all that and but i mean across the board from the earliest part of the century people believed the science it was really pushed so that I mean, you had people left, right, and center who believed it all the way and maybe still today. I don't know as much about – You know, I don't know that that's necessarily the case today. But it's an easy thing if you really – because it's an inevitable consequence of understanding or believing in the DNA myth and the DNA um, story. If you believe that's what makes you who you are, then then it follows that then we have to do – if you're going to attack problems or anything, that those are inherent in people – an inevitable so if you so really the science is the issue you know if you believe that science you really don't have anywhere to go and so i think that's what we find in the film is a lot of the people who consider themselves probably very liberal or progressive you know i'd say like eo wilson or james watson these aren't republicans from what i understand i I actually don't know their political affiliation yeah but you know they, they professed um to believe in some liberal ideas especially watson
0: um, I mean, Washington is extremely surprising. Here's the guy, you know, he won a Nobel Prize for for you know finding the double helix in the DNA, and yet he makes a silly statement that you know Africans, you know, it, it, we can't really do anything about them because they're stupid, and you know, really, we should they shouldn't even you
1: know the policies around intelligence, the policies. Yeah,
0: they're not as intelligent, and and so they really can't be, uh, you know, allowed to. They shouldn't even exist, really. Um, you know, statements like that from extremely bright people—like, how do they actually get away with that? And they just go, <laughs> "Oh, Hitler, Hitler wrecked it for us. If he wasn't around, then you know we'd get so much further." Um, but you know, he blew it. He blew it. He—he he killed them, you know, too quick, the wrong way. I don't know what Hitler did, but you know, Hitler just wrecked, wrecked eugenics for us. We we could have really had a good thing going here, getting you know sterilizing people without their consent and all this <laughs> stuff.
1: Like well, yeah, and he never and you know, just to be clear, James Watson never advocated for like he said, he was saying that Hitler Hitler got us twice, you know, we can't do some things because what Hitler did, and you're like, Can you clarify? Um I think he was you know, he was saying and he believes that people should make their own decisions in a family about whether or not um, you know, how to control their their Yeah.
0: Well of course, you know, if if you're wealthy and and smart, then you should have children. That but is- if if you're if you are of the, the poor the masses um, that, you know, Lady Liberty says bring us, uh, then no, you shouldn't be having children. And why would you even try to um, break down society by introducing your your, your spawn into, you know, the, yeah, for the, the greater action. good, you should not have children.
1: <laughs> I mean, that, yeah, that's yeah, the I idea. I believe that, you know, it's really, and I mean, there's no proof, and that's what we, we try to get to in the film, that there's no proof that, <clears throat> excuse me, anything like, Poverty or the inability to do anything, even intelligence—you know—being this this claim that you'll see every other week in the news that they've they've discovered some sort of intelligence genes that when you when they're pushed, they admit that they haven't found the genes. I think it was uh, Augustine and yeah. yeah, he
0: he said that that if you look at if you look at a gene, you can't tell if it's a black gene or a white gene. You can't tell if it's smart or stupid or pretty or ugly or disabled or whatever. Like yeah. it doesn't. You don't know. It doesn't doesn't go to a class, and so it's just a gene. It's just yeah, and, and even the gene
1: concept itself is what we raise questions about in the film. It's like this idea of the Mendelian gene that 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 codes for a trait, and that they've discovered that Mendelian gene was DNA. That's that's what we believe. That's what's taught in all the schools, and yeah. that like you can pass on a trait like something like intelligence or or the penchant for you know math or any kind of thing like that um excuse me that you would be able to pass that on to your children people still believe that and that's what that myth says and there's no proof of that and there's no proof of that and and
0: and you get into those designer babies like you know let's have a baby let's have her have blue eyes and be really pretty and and but smart and really good at math and let her be a fast runner and maybe she'll be in the olympics and all of that stuff and people are designing their children and and playing at god and and when you realize that you're not god and i don't know if they ever did realize that but um, some of those folks in the film, <laughs> but we're such an delicate, intricate, you know, entity, like to even mix into that is so scary to me that people would do that. And I know that you know that from your radio shows, because your radio shows, your radio show is, you know, center on the food and, and all of that stuff about mm-hmm. um, us mixing it up. And uh, uh, wow, yeah, the danger of that. The da- Look at us now. We're looking at, at rice that puts crap in our stomachs and you know all kinds of the corn and and everything all of our food is genetically modified and what it's going to do to us in in the future of us and
1: excuse me i've got a compliment. actually just one note about the the um food you know the biotech industry would like us to believe that everything is genetically modified because it makes it look like they've succeeded in their effort to do that in actuality They've only been able to produce a couple crops, uh, a couple, I should say, a couple traits that are used in the production of crops. So 85% are designed to um, allow huge amounts of pesticides to be sprayed on the crop. That's basically what genetic is about is, is, as our producer Andy says, and he, he's done this at the Center for Food Safety is where he works, is chemicals. Chemical companies selling chemicals. That's that's what genetic engineering is about. So it's another. And that's why when we started the film, it was clear these these scientists don't know what they're doing when it comes. They don't to, know what they're doing. That's so scary, and they haven't succeeded. If you if you want to call that a success, Roundup Ready crops we don't consider it a success because it's actually produced more crops that you know require more pesticides, and then a couple other small traits that they've been able to work out. But but look what they different. did. I mean, they got rid. The bees are 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 in jeopardy.
0: Yeah. This year, I finally saw some monarch butterflies. They kind of came back a little bit, thank goodness. But they were gone for a little bit. You know, I the bees are, like, they are, you know, they're playing at things that they shouldn't play at. And and the pesticide, mm-hmm. um, you know, we don't know what it does to us, and, and we know what it does to other other things. But do you really need a peach that looks like a donut? I don't. You know, like, and you get to a certain age and, and my husband and I discuss this because it's like, does the food not taste as good because we're old people now? Or is it that it just doesn't taste as good because we've played with the soil and we've played with culture. the stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Did we take the the the, the taste out of it? Yeah.
1: And, you, yeah. you know, I don't know. And everything, yeah. I mean, that's what I, I you know, the <laughs> excuse me, the, the food that People know the difference when you're eating really good food from nutrient-rich soil. You know. Yeah, yeah. You know, they've done a lot of propaganda to try to make us believe that that's not
0: because same. we want perfect food, right? We want perfect-looking yeah. food, and and if it has a blemish, we you know, oh, we put it back, and um, and yet it's the ugly fruit and vegetables are probably the better ones for you because yeah, the you are eating down. them. There must be better. yeah, there's probably not enough stuff on it <laughs> to it's kill true. them off, right? <laughs>
1: that's yeah. Hilarious. Um, yeah so I mean that's uh, uh, one of the things that we um that we wanted to do with the film was to raise questions about about the science like we're talking about here and how it applies to these other in these other realms you know with um even with medicine it's a whole other whole other direction but um you know the the scary part is that they don't know what they're doing when it comes to genetic engineering and the claim that they can create super babies or more intelligent or any of that stuff you know it's really it's dangerous for people to believe that it reinforces this notion that we actually understand heredity which we don't that we can control it which we definitely can't and you know reinforces the idea that people that who we are is driven by our genes, our DNA. And that's that's what we really want to do in the film is to make sure that people understand that we're we're back a hundred years to Mendel right now with the understanding of heredity. We really don't understand how it works. At
0: all. No, and, and if you want to just take that to the nth degree, especially as it pertains to women, we're not good enough. We're never good enough. Right. You know, no wonder we don't feel good enough. People keep wanting to change us and make us better. And you said, you know, women are, are I love it in the film that one of the guys said women are well, women are predisposed to be doing rep- repetitive, you know repetitive you know stuff like washing dishes yeah not intellectual pursuits but more. <laughs> pursuits.
1: Like, okay. we're really good at that oh my gosh that was so funny yeah, it was really and those that, that those attitudes are still there <laughs> yeah, yeah they're still there it's it's really um you'll see there's a couple there's a really great book over um, here called um gosh i do remember the name of it um I'll think of it, She she's challenging a lot of the ideas about every time you hear the word science, you know, always beware, because people will call everything science. Right. And one of them is uh, looking at the way that, that men and women are different. And you see it going back as far as you can go, you know, from the early part of the century up to today, there's always some new supposed discovery about biology for women. And I think we highlighted one of the film in the old days, they told women, you know, you really shouldn't um, pursue college or higher learning because it will—the brain, the energy that it takes for the brain to actually process—will pull energy away from the ovaries, and will affect your reproductive. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah, use your brain! Can't have kids! Oh my god! you <laughs> giving you know, your ability to have children. I mean, ridiculous stuff like that. And then today, though, there's there's even people who are advocating for. That saying that boys and girls learn differently because they're inherently different in their brains and advocating separating boys and girls in school. You know, boys like to run around and girls like to sit attentively in their seats. I mean, these are some, that, this is some of the nonsense that they're putting out there and actually say that they have science behind it. And this woman, I'll think of it and I'll, yeah, you know, yeah. website, um, um, who, who, challenges all this she gathers all of these studies and all the all the debunking and puts it all together very fascinating that's but,
0: hilarious uh, that. <laughs> but it, it reminds me of um that what i can't remember the name of the movie but uh, about her name was was mrs johnson the black lady that helped the guy helped um the astronaut get to the moon and back so not only is she black but she's female super smart at math right oh that film
1: right i i haven't seen yeah. it yet.
0: oh it's amazing and you know, she's an amazing, I think she's like in her 80s or 90s today, but she worked at NASA, you know, her brain was a computer, she just figured out how to get them home, and nobody else had figured it out. So you got a black woman, a woman doing math, who could do what a man couldn't do and get, and get you know, the the, the astronaut back home from, the, you know, flight to the moon. So how is that? amazing. <laughs> we can't yeah. think, think better. Like, you know what? We just think, maybe we do think differently. I think that we think broader and I think um, women are just <laughs> able to more than men are at the same time. So we're able to think multiple thoughts at the same time. I do believe that because well,
1: I mean, that's and, it, and it's kind of, it's almost sort of like one of those, um, i want to think of like the anecdotal kind of thing, you know, cause I know a lot of women who don't think that way. So every time we try to pin down something, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, men are like this, women are like this. There's so many, Complete opposite, you know,
0: example. Yeah, that's it's not true. It's true.
1: But, but, you know, studies, I love
0: the, the studies because the, the studies are, oh, 27 people, or <laughs> 100 yeah, people, not billions the on the planet. Really <laughs>
1: In fact, if you look at some of the genes, the claims about genes for, um they claim to have found genes for um, cheating on your spouse or whatever. Oh, my gosh. Monogamy or whatever. And when you read it, it's actually, the studies are on prairie voles. They're not, it's not a human study. They said they've studied prairie voles and they've discovered that somehow I've determined oh, that. That was the other part. I translated over to humans. That
0: was the other one in the film that, that you know, as far as DNA at genes go, our genes are, are similar to a tomato and a mouse. Like, yeah. doctor, they have the same as we do. <clears> and that, other, other vegetables are <laughs> even higher than us. And so, you know, what makes us so smart?
1: I mean, yeah. it's that's, crazy. that's their whole their whole theory, and you know, you, they'll hem and haw about this and equivocate around it. Sorry, the garbage trucks are here, um, but they'll say, "Oh, you know, that's okay." Well, you know, we we thought that we'd have millions of genes at first because we're so complex, you know. And then the more they started looking, the more they realized, okay, well, maybe not millions of genes, but at least this many, you know, a hundred thousand was what they all landed on. And ends up we have as many as a fly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or, like you said, Pinot Noir grapes have like 40,000 genes, and we have about, quote-unquote genes, and we have about less than 27 20, or something. <laughs> so and They can't explain it. They say, oh, well, our, our genes just do more than those genes, but it's like, no, they're actually the same exact stretches of DNA, or, you know, similar enough that you can't call it a separate gene, so what's happening? And then they say, well, you know, it's really the regulatory systems, so it's not really the genes, and so there's all sorts of theories right now. Nobody really knows, I think. At least from what I can tell, everybody has a, a new theory about how we are the way we are, you know, and how you can find it in the DNA. Not necessarily, And I think a lot of scientists, of course, are looking at it from a purely scientific point of view. So I don't, I don't believe that all geneticists are any, but you know, no, that they're not all geneticists or, or even believe that our characteristics necessarily are determined by DNA. But, but
0: it, it interests me too. Cause I, I, as you were just talking there, I was thinking um, religious wise, are these, did did you find out anecdotally cuz it wasn't in the film are they christians are they are those guys christians like do they uh, think they are, that there's yeah. a god or are they darwinisms yeah, like oh you you're talking about like James Watson and like your... yeah like are they christians do they go to church do they believe in god because if they believe in god then it's like you know god created us like so well, you
1: know to I think back? it you know i think um, I believe that James Watson, and I'm not sure about you, Wilson, but I don't, I don't think they're religious people, whereas Francis Collins, um, who believes in the science of DNA, he, he, he also, you know, issues this whole idea of, or he um, doesn't believe in this idea that, that genes determine everything about who we are. When you start getting about intelligence, he'll warn, you know, that this, he, this is the head of the NIH, you know. But he's very much locked into the DNA and gene myth. Um, and how far he would take it in terms of behavior, you know, we have to, we'd have to check with him right now. But Watson and Wilson, I think they're, um, from what I understand them, religion is not something that they ascribe to. Um, but, you know, I, I think the main, the main thing that I would love people to understand and see, and see in this film, and we couldn't get into it enough with um, Watson and Wilson, is that they're coming from an ideological point of view and fitting the science in. Just the very thing that they accuse progressives and liberals of doing when it comes to critiquing that science. Right. And it's really just the opposite. They're actually coming from an ideological point of view. Darwin, you know, like you said. Um, these 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 I, beliefs I, I, in science oh. from way back that that actually, you know, guided the way that they actually believe things work. and And they'll deny that it's ideological but it really is yeah
0: I and I can I wish I, I wrote it down I can't find my notes um the guy who actually started eugenics um at the end of his life he he had seen this woman who was dying of Stomach cancer or something. Back, it was like way back, like 1800s or something like that. She she took a trip to Lords to the to the, the waters, and he saw a complete and miraculous recovery, and he couldn't believe it. And so he watched it a few more times. Uh, you know, he stayed around that area and he and he looked at other miracles that had happened. Um, somebody who was blind and could see, and so at the end of his life, he changed his mind about it. And oh,
1: really? And who is this? This was this? I'm done. This was the guy.
0: I think it was the guy who actually started <laughs> eugenics who started, who was the father of it.
1: Um, Well, let's see, Francis Galton, would it be? It was
0: Galton. I think it was Galton.
1: Interesting. I definitely want to, want to read more about that. I'm
0: pretty sure I read that. Mm -hmm. And, and so, yeah, he had seen this. And so when he, when he died, he believed in God and, um, Mm -hmm. decided that, yeah, you know what? Like we could have killed those people and
1: miracles happen. Yeah, I think, and you know, Darwin comes up a little bit in the film. We didn't really get into it enough, but, um, he, you know, people say Darwin wasn't a social Darwinist. And that that's a lot of, a lot of people will claim that. And, you know, he I don't, he didn't advocate for forced sterilization or eugenics in the, in that sense. I mean, Galton, which was his cousin, I believe. <coughs> ah. Galton and um, some others were the ones who were, who were really pushing the larger, and not necessarily forced sterilization, I think, but this was really about Believing that you know, like you said, people who have certain characteristics shouldn't be reprodu- reproducing children, that kind of thing. And Darwin believed that. You know, he 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 was stuck into now the gene, the quote unquote genes hadn't been discovered yet. He didn't know about Mendel at the time, which they they were actually contemporaries. Yeah, um, but but he really did see and believe that our biology determined who we are. He just didn't know the mechanism. You know, what is it and you know, it probably had a more complex view than we do even now about how biology works. But the end result would, would have been the same. And I think he, you know, his, this idea that he didn't believe that it applied to humans and only applied to the, the natural world is, is definitely an error. If you read, all you have to do is read The Descent of Man, which people apparently don't ever want to read. They want to read this other book. But The Descent of Man, is he makes it really clear. So I think it's important that people understand that about Darwin as well.
0: Um, Russell Means was a, he, I don't know if he was a, I guess it was a film of Russell Means or a news broadcast of Russell Means on, in your film um, and he, he's head of Lakota Nation, he was head of, he died I guess um, he was head of the Lakota Nation but he, he talked about, was it 40,000
1: Native women were sterilized? Is that what he said? <laughs> um, when he was being interviewed with um, he was actually on there with Marlon Brando interestingly on an NBC interview with Tom Brokaw and he was trying to point out that Forty percent of childbearing age women at the time had been sterilized. Forty
0: percent. Wow, his,
1: his claim at the time, and you know, um, we did a lot of research into this, and, and and as you can see in the film, in that Nixon era, call it era for Yeah, it was about four, four to six years around the Nixon time. Um, there were almost, I think it was a half a million people across the United States who had been either forcibly sterilized, sterilized without their knowledge or coerced into it. And um, that, that was one of, obviously one of the biggest shocks. And you don't hear that. You so don't hear about it. What was
0: the, what was the woman's name? I, I wish I, I don't know why I can't remember her name. I had it a moment ago the, the black woman who in your film, what was her name? Elaine Riddick. Yeah. Elaine. Yeah. So Elaine, Elaine had been raped. She was pregnant. Her mother didn't read. And, and here they come along and they go, oh, like you're, you're stupid and you can't read and you're this and you're that. So did they take her baby away or does she, did she get to raise her son? She
1: was able to raise her son. She raised her
0: son, son, but they sterilized her. her, They forced her mother. So what they did was they forced these people to, to be sterilized. Otherwise, we're going to take away your food stamps or your money or your, your health, whatever, whatever we're giving you we're going to take your assistance away from you that was Nixon right I think you did that well
1: well, Nixon so so the Nixon administration I mean what you know unlike the early days with Harry Laughlin and some of the people in the United States um and Supreme Court justice who said yes people could be forcibly sterilized and treated it as if it were like vaccination he said um you know, when it came to the Nixon administration, what they did was after the great society, they were trying to attack the great society programs. Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. He did the plan. He did
1: white, but he did like the, um, the uh, programs that allowed poor people to get access to birth control. And which is a good thing, you know, yeah, yeah. Don't have access to birth control. but one of the things that they did was they, they put out a memo that said that um, government funds could be used for sterilization for people who might want it, you know, which is also a good thing. If people want to go through that procedure and, and, you know, not have children anymore and choose to do that, that's fine. But what didn't happen, what there was one man who we highlight the film who warned that this could be used in a bad way in these small clinics across the country where there's no oversight yeah. on, a federal, on a federal level. Nobody's really doing any oversight. <laughs> and he put together guidelines that said, you know, you can't have coercion, <clears throat> you know, you, of people under 18 couldn't be sterilized, you know, yeah. all of these very important guidelines that would make sure that it was not abused and that people wouldn't be
0: manipulated
1: or coerced or sterilized without their knowledge and that kind of thing. And that's exactly what happened is that the Nixon administration did not send those guidelines to its clinics. They got printed, they got put into a warehouse and never distributed to any right. across the country. And so we highlight this story in the film and I mean, it is shocking. And so, you know, people say, well, the, it wasn't really Nixon, you know, ordering the sterilization of people like that, that kind of thing. But when they when they were asked why didn't you distribute these guidelines, because there are a lot of people, as we know, who were, you know, these, these clinic, these doctors and nurses deciding for themselves who is worthy of, of reproducing reproducing yeah. who aren't, it was basically leaving up to them because they weren't bound by any guidelines. And they and the Nixon administration said, Well, it suited our political purposes yeah. to suppress these guidelines never explained what that meant, but what, what could it mean? You know, we, we don't, we don't speculate as to what they meant, but all we know is what the results were.
0: Yeah. And you know, Elaine, I, I'm going to come back to Elaine's story again, because it's so tragic in that she, <coughs> nobody asked her what, what's happened to you? Why didn't you go to school and why haven't, you know, you've been going and, and you're she malnourished. She was doing
1: really well in school, actually. That was one of the, sorry,
0: one of she the, was doing well in school. That's she right. Was she was bad. doing well in school
1: and being bullied all the time.
0: But they could have said, you know, how did you get pregnant? But nobody asked. They just thought she was promiscuous and. She was you know. scared.
1: The guy who raped her city killed her. Of course
0: she was scared. She was um, 14 years yeah. old. And, and to take away somebody's reproduction ability at 14 is, it's reprehensible what they did. And I saw an interview with, um, Watson who said that, um, what they should do is just, you know, if, if we offer them a thousand a thousand dollars, they'll they'll get sterilized. They'll get sterilized and then, you know, when they when they get to old age, then we'll give them, you know, a little bit of extra money every week for you know, for doing it. He goes, for God's sakes, he goes, You could probably give them a transistor. They do it in India. They'll, they'll sterilize themselves for a transistor. I oh,
1: thank you for reminding me of that. That is it's horrible. He's <laughs> a horrible person. Okay. Francis Crick, people don't know about, Francis Crick was one of the worst, you just, I mean, in terms of, you know, he also said that too, that we should. Yeah,
0: offer well, they were partners, anything. right? Frick and, yeah. and Watson were partners. They, they they found founded that double helix together. And they were really, gosh, his thinking is disgusting.
1: His, you know, and, and Cr- um, Crick actually advocated for the separation of, of identical twins at birth to uh, allow for, studies to happen. So basically bribing the mother. um, I don't think he ever said to do it without their permission. So, um, but you know, talk them into it basically and how important it was for science that they give up one of their twins to be raised elsewhere and to be studied and tracked. Actually there's a new film about, about, um, I think it's Three Identical Strangers. Which yeah, I, I've I've got some issues around the science that they talk about twin studies and everything, but but that that happened with these triplets. They were separated and then looked at and studied over time, and you know that he realized that that's the. I mean, I, I still think it's it's a little bit ridiculous to think that you can actually determine anything by doing that because the influences that each of us have throughout our lives are such a multitude that the idea that you can actually like determine sure or something so and watch and someone growing up and decide that you could see whether, how much percentages of their personality came from genes versus the environment. I mean, the whole thing is just kind of a big, a big joke in my view, um, but that we can actually understand those things on that level. But yeah, Crick is, Crick is one of the worst. Um, and there's a lot of history. His own, while well, we have him quoted on tape there that, you know, raising questions about shouldn't we have a, a, an inherent, like a test, for children when they're born as to whether or not they should stay alive. Oh my gosh. Oh, I know awesome. it's awful. It's awful. Literally, he's quite a character.
0: You know, I, I had the very good fortune of, of, um, interviewing. Um, Oh my God. I hate getting old. Uh, <laughs> Oh gosh. It's going to come. Well, anyway,
1: wiser, wiser. You know, uh,
0: another scientist, um, who, who talks about the, um, he talks about imaginal genes you know that in our body and and so he he said that if you put if you adopt a, a a female child and you put her into a household where the women all get breast cancer she will get breast cancer so it's not even it's environment and and you know um heredity right if in which is <coughs> you know she has nothing to do with that family except be adopted into into their environment. But as you know, you put women in, in the same house, their, their periods, you know, they cycle the same. They, they eventually cycle up. So, I mean, there are interesting things that, you know, happen, but um, Bruce um, Lipton, Dr. Bruce Lipton. Sorry, Bruce. Um, but, you know, if you have these imaginal cells in your body, you can tell your cells to go and reproduce and become something else that you need like cancer killers or whatever he totally believes that you can do that and he was the guy who invented stem cell so I believe him you know I think it's
1: probably true if you have that kind of mindset that you can do that um who knows I mean that's the kind of stuff like you know it starts to get out there where you're thinking well what kind of influence do we have over our own bodies and our own minds and all that kind of thing and I mean, I guess there are ways you can try to measure that sort of thing, you know, but at this point we, we know so much about the environmental influences on what makes us who we are Right. on our, you know, the, the studies that they've done even for health. Nature versus nurture, right? Of so there's so much evidence, there's overwhelming evidence that the environment shapes our personalities, our lives, our circumstances, whether or not we end up in what zip code does this and that. I mean, there's, there's an, I came, I wanted to have a website that said, how many more studies do we need? Exactly. You know what I mean? So and in exactly. a way, it's like, why are we focusing on that? But you look at those children that were left in the
0: orphanages in, East, in you know, Eastern Europe who, you know, they said they were retarded or they, you know, mentally challenged today's version, but they, they, weren't sti- they weren't held and loved and stimulated. And that's what happens to children who aren't held and loved and stimulated. And so like if they had had a different upbringing or a different beginning to their life and somebody had cuddled them and did all that nourishing stuff that, that our babies need, they wouldn't be challenged. They wouldn't, that wouldn't have happened to them. And so it is definitely, you know, environment and upbringing and where, you know, really. Um, yeah,
1: I mean, there's, that's what, it's undeniable. And there, there are some people who will still argue, I think Steven Pinker is one of them, that, you know, that, that really the first six years isn't really, doesn't shape people as much as environmentally, <clears throat> as much as people claim. It's a very odd thing to say. And I can't imagine that a psych- that someone studying psychology would ever claim that,
0: <clears throat> but I mean, they say our personalities formed by the time we're
1: five. right? <laughs> I mean, you could probably go back in your life and be like, you know, what kind of influences made you, who you were, you know, and, and there's a lot of mystery too. I mean, that's the other thing about heredity is the fact that it is a mystery to us still that, you know, people going into biology and in the sciences, I think it's a great time to be there. Yeah, you know, if you can go in with this understanding that this stuff is not sorted out, that they don't know what they're talking about, it's a really exciting time for students for biology, who, and who can go in with a real, an actual open mind, instead of coming at it from an ide- ideological point of view, whether progressive or whatever. You know, right? If, if you really are a scientist and you really want to focus, this is a pro-science. And you don't film. care where it ends up; you just go for the truth. It's really about looking at science. Is supposed to be about checking things, proving them wrong or not. And, you know, that discussion needs to happen more than ever about DNA and genes because yeah. there's a lot of denial happening about what's, a, what's actually understood and what the claims are, you know.
0: So here's the other thing I was thinking after I watched your film. <laughs> it was kind of exciting, but, you know, you, you've got Ancestry.com and all these different websites up now that are, that are kind of urging people, <clears throat> find, you know, check your DNA, see who you came from, see where you, where you actually... Were and, and, you know, there's a nefarious side to me that goes, why do they want to know that? I I might be curious, but where does that information go? And what is it like, who's going to end up with that? And they go, oh, you came from that. So maybe we should start targeting that group of people or that group of people. There's That's awesome, kind of scary,
1: really, when you think about it. I mean, I mean You know, the gathering of DNA, we've known with data banks, with crime databases and things like that. I mean, it's, it's dangerous because of you know, not I'm not worried about what they what they're actually going to find with the DNA and what it's going to say. I'm worried what they're going to claim that they found. The yeah, yeah, you know yeah. I mean? So it's like yeah. they can say, "Well, you have a crime gene, and we have your DNA, and it's right there." And this study says that there's a crime gene, and therefore, yeah, you know, you're a criminal. Prevent, you know. And I mean, those those scenarios aren't, you know, that's the that's what people should be most concerned about, I think. And also, even though there are some some guideline or some legislation that protects people in terms of insurance so you know if you have insurance that um if you have health insurance and this predisposed to certain things is these claims you can be predisposed to breast cancer any of that stuff you know is, is also nonsense when it comes to dna this is there's a lot of really bad science around that that we're hearing about about breast cancer and these other supposedly genetic conditions where they're claiming the genes are involved um you know, there, there's some legislation that that protects people from being discriminated against by health insurance companies. But how long can it's that legislation going to hold on? We know with the Trump administration, things can come in and turn turn things around really quickly when it comes to laws and that kind of thing. So yeah, I think people should be very concerned. One thing about <clears throat> the ancestry tests, you know, what we're what we're trying to point out, we'll get into it a little bit in the film, but not not a lot, um, is that. <clears throat> you know, it reinforces the notion of race, and it reinforces this idea that, that this, that race is a biological reality, instead of the construction that we know it is, you know, and people, you know, um, someone quoted Jonathan Marks, <coughs> <coughs> excuse me, Jonathan Marks says that um, if they really wanted to understand, you know, people saying they, scientists are going to go and look at DNA and try to map some sort of ancestral thing. They would start with a, in a grid and go from here to here to here to here to here, but they didn't. You know, they already had groups of people in mind, and then they're going to go find those groups, yes, the DNA, and start looking for commonalities. So yeah. you can't. You know, so you're already starting from this notion that there are groups of people that are distinct in that way, and that's just not the case. And and um, Augustine Puentes gets into that. was a like, great if you just if it's still on the web. I don't know if I can find the link. Um, Nicholas Wade who wrote a a book everyone should be warned about Um, New York times reporter debated Augustine Fuentes on a web web debate and they get into this and Nicholas Wade saying, Hey, the, 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 science is there to say that there are separate races of people and Augustine was like, no, it's not there. And it's a good, it's a really good, um, Augustine does a great job of laying out why that's not the case. And it's, it's
0: very, I really like Fuentes. I really, I, he was so impressive. Um, you know, it, it's it's kind of interesting. I guess we got to wrap up soon, but it's kind of interesting to think that after the twenties, um, when the pursuit of happiness became the pursuit, like the, the depression happened, right. And that became the kind of the pursuit of money. that mm-hmm. all of this kind of came back, out because it's like you know every greed it seems like greed and avarice is kind of behind it in a little bit in a a way
1: yeah I really think it it justifies a huge amount of that kind of stuff I mean we talk about social Darwinism as a concept and I think that's that is one of the things that if you look at our society in the United States it's about you know you're on your own a lot of it I mean yeah obviously not all of it but I mean I think the prevailing sort of Feeling right now, especially with the Trump administration and and people who back that, which is way too many people. very <laughs> scary, scary, scary. scary. Um, no, you're on your own. We're all, you know, you, if you can't make it, it's your fault, and all this kind of attitude. Yeah. And the legislation that translates into that, which is cutting, you know, all social programs, uh, lunch
0: programs for kids. I mean, it just it's it's just lunch programs for. kids.
1: Why would you cut lunch programs for kids? I mean, you you wouldn't believe and and disability. I mean, all of the things that they've been trying to slash, and they've been doing it since the Great Society, which had a lot made a lot of gain, yeah. And the, the people who were against the Great Society not just just Republicans, because there may be plenty of Democrats too and Independents, but the idea was cut, 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 and then leave people to be. Charles Murray put him in there. He's he's the he's the one person in the film I think that everybody can really. see how this whole idea manifests itself when it comes to politics, because it's, it's all about, he wants to cut every kind of social program and he'll throw in into a basic income. So so don't believe the hype around some of this stuff. So he says, yeah, I believe in universal basic income and everybody should, but cut everything else. No workers comp, no nothing, like no government programs. And then everybody's supposedly on some sort of equal footing to, to move forward in life and then yeah. we'll see survival that. of the fittest then yeah, yeah. Doggy exactly. dog yeah Doggy that's, dog. that's what I think is a dangerous thing right now that's I do too. Pushed. and it's a really it's an easy thing to kind of it's a uh, to default to when I mean you have the working poor you more inequality
0: right? right you look at you look at homelessness people who are homeless there's a lot of people who are still working who are homeless they go to their jobs yeah. every day Most. they can't afford yeah the rent you know they can't afford uh what's happening in their cities and if you go around the United States I mean you know I've traveled around a bit enough to know that you know there's certain areas you know California real estate prices are for nothing I mean you pay like big bucks for like nothing and then you go to Kentucky and you can get a beautiful home for $160,000 or something right and you can't get a job yeah (laughs) but the disparity is is like crazy
1: yeah
0: yeah Mm um but, you know, I, I mean, people, I, I, social impact is, is, you know, a big thing for me. And, and I guess in, in a way I'm kind of a socialist. But I, it's not that I want to give handouts. It's, it's not about giving handouts. It's about giving help, you know, hand ups and helping people find their way. So, you know, you expect people to do um, volunteer work even if you want to give them some money. Like, they don't have
1: to sit on their butt and do nothing. There's well, other things that about, they can do, yeah. right? You know, jobs, it's always this kind of thing about being productive in society and, right. you know, have a job. And it's like, but what about, like, meaningful work? What about meaningful, you know, uh, engagement in life? And, and that's what we have to get back to. It's like, it's not about just, like, producing, getting someone to get a job to produce something so they can eat and then eventually die. I mean, right. that's, that's basically our society. Yeah, um, it's like, you, we're not I here think. just to do that. Yeah. If you go back to the Great Society and you look at Sergeant Shriver, who's a hero and unsung, yeah, hero, he is he's amazing. You know, and Johnson too. Johnson get crazy. Johnson. Um, I just love Johnson. Yeah, yeah, he became my hero. And they were bo- they were modeled at the time. They knew that the only way they were able to sell those were was to involve private and public funds together. And so it was a Republican. Uh, model back then, just like the healthcare bill originally with the, oh, the bonds. Uh, but you know, they, they said, well, we want, it's not about handing out anything. In fact, none of those things were cash handouts, right? At quote unquote welfare that we have, that the, I believe the Republicans have sort of reframed back in the day. The great society programs were about people, Helping each other and working in their communities and having opportunities. And it's across the board, it was very popular with Republicans. They're the ones who are asking for more money for the Great Society. And we've got Shriver on tape talking about this. He comes and goes into a hearing and he comes back out. He's like, Look, these these are successful and people love them. And why aren't we doing this more? And then you start to see a decline with Nixon and then Reagan. And I would say even Clinton. I'm shocked at Reagan and Clinton. I'm just shocked. At, like, right, right away yeah. it wouldn't be too shocking but clinton he's he slashed huge amounts of as yeah know, a lot of people with the welfare reform bill was just one of the worst things worst legislations that ever happened from under a democratic president and we're seeing the results now and 20 years later you yeah know, yeah children um and living in poverty as a result as a direct result they've looked at it you know so yeah so i, I just think i i agree with you. i mean i think that the you know we can't fall into this uh, idea that people are de- destined to be. You know, you don't know who's going to
0: come out of what. Like you just, um, how many, how many amazing things were killed off by Hitler? You know that that could have been in the world today. And you look at things like that. I just have to look at that, and and you think you think one person's not important? You have no idea who that person could have been or yeah, was. And, to be. and, and
1: everybody has an opportunity right now for you know, being told over and over again that they're not worthy, that they're never going to make it, you know, why are you even bothering? They're trying to cut Head Start um, programs because they just don't think they're actually going to help these, these children who are, you know, yeah. not- it's really, really dangerous, really scary. You
0: know, I had a math teacher who told me I was stupid. I had a yeah. math teacher who said, you can't do it. And I believed him. Mm-hmm. I believed him you know, girls are stupid at math. And for a long time ago, oh, I'm a girl. I'm stupid at math. I'm really good at English, but I'm really stupid at math. And then one day, you know, I was older and it didn't bother me so much. And, and I, I was trying to learn something. I go, I'm not stupid at math. That, like, that guy was a really, idiot. I, I got rid of that, that rule that he gave me that I was mm-hmm. stupid. And it was like, wow, if everybody had you know, that opportunity, instead of being told something negative, that something positive that allows them to thrive instead of, you know, die off, it would be a very different, the world would be a very different place. And I know that because my dad told me I could do anything. And I believe him. Exactly. I know my parents too. I was lucky that way. Me too. And, and, you know, I have a stepsister who said, oh, you're so lucky you had your dad. Look, at you can do whatever. I go, but you lived with him longer than I did. So you could have modeled your behavior after him. You could have, you know, looked at that and go, what does he do? And because, As a coach, you know, I I go, model that behavior, pretend as if eventually you will do it if you want to. It's, it really is a mindset. If people want to think they can do it, right? You didn't know that you could be a, filmmaker, but there you are doing a wonderful work, doing a fantastic job at it. I know we're almost out of time. Tell me what's next. Oh, well, let's talk about how we're going to get this <coughs> or how they're going to watch this film. And then I want you to tell me what's yes. next on your agenda. Is this going into universities right now? Or are they going to be watching,
1: it? setting up groups? We do, we do have the film um, Bullfrog Films. You can get the film through Bullfrog um, Educational uh, films, you can get it um, also for community groups who want to sign up and show it in their community and have a screening. You can get a license for like, I don't know, $100 or something like that. Know, you know. Um, and then we are premiering the film September 28th through October 4th in New York at the Cinema Village in Lower Manhattan. So we'll be screening the film all week for all the New York people. Please come out and see the film. And then we'll be releasing it on DVD October 2nd in VOD. So, so we'll, do you, have, a, a we'll say, you have something
0: that you want people to go and actually become activists
1: through yes. watching this film. Okay, what do you want? Yes. What are they gonna do? I mean, well definitely, and that's what we are trying to we're building on our website to give opportunities and people to connect to each other in ways that that we can address certain things. Um but our 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 website is a dangerous idea um dot com and all run together. And you'll see on there, um I think the the main thing is really one that it sounds typical of someone who's pushing the film but to watch the film because i think that's the first thing and then to pass that those ideas on with other people because because undermining this whole ideology and this whole viewpoint especially the trump administration is is a perfect example of and we have trump in the film talking about this kind of thing um is to undermine it through understanding that it's not real you know that this whole idea that, that dna makes you what you want stuff isn't real is a real way to undermine that and to get the word out about it. That's our main message, you know.
0: You know, it's poignant when when you, you saw that the part in the film, you know, where the Jews came <laughs> and they were turned away, and then they had to go back to the gas chambers. It's like the Syrians are turned away, and you know, Trump, what are you doing? Like these people, obviously, you know, they're they need to come. They need to go somewhere. They need well, to go I somewhere. I should mention that. I mean, these these very relevant,
1: <clears throat> excuse me, issues like immigration. I mean, you've got. Trump, you know, calling Mexican.
0: Mexico, Trump, they're not giving us our well. best.
1: You know, and it was the he's same thing us Well, they're not. Yeah, said you. The same thing back back in the day when they were Trump, when they were blocking other people from coming into the country. <clears throat> it's very dangerous. And but now Trump hates Canada. So. <laughs> you guys are a big target now. No, our not Yeah, but he's but he's fine with you guys coming into the country. You know, it's like this. He's got certain groups that he's uh, targeting. Yeah. Now. So it's dangerous but yeah so i think going to the to the website um coming out to see the film and then getting out on dvd vod coming up and then we are you know we'll be releasing short clips and things like that things that aren't in the film on specific topics so if anybody wants to learn more when they watch the film about a certain thing it's like please give me some direction on so what if you're outraged archive to hand off to you if
0: you're outraged by watching it do you want them to make sure they go out and vote Oh, sure. yes, definitely. Yeah, policies definitely.
1: that actually support the kinds of, you know, depending on what your political views are, I mean, you could be, you could be a Republican and still vote for the right things that, that right. actually urge the type of thing we're talking about. You know, yeah. yeah. that legislation's even up there for... Is there <laughs> anything else they, they they could do or should do right now or you'll well,
0: put some up, that, stuff up there?
1: I mean, I think, like I said, I think it's really about um getting the, passing it on to other people because you... Um, once you understand that this stuff isn't real, everything starts to change. You yeah. start to watch TV differently. You start to, and you start to talk to children differently. You start to yeah. think, well, you know, boys and girls, it's important that we don't separate boys and girls in that way and try to tell them that they're different <coughs> in the way yeah. they are, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, well, people about IQ and believing all this, you know, nonsense. Nonsense. You, in and of yeah. itself is a number. I mean, so, so I guess I'm just thinking that, once the understanding's there, it translates into our lives in ways that are kind of unexpected. And whatever realm that people are working in, that they can then advocate for this view, if they subscribe to it as well. yeah, actually productive. How could you not, people? <laughs> yeah, watch the film and then let me know. And we'd love to hear what people think. Yeah. And- you know, any issues they have with it or fact checks. I mean, we're always looking for it. Um, send, send, send that right
0: to me too. I'm, I'm really excited to know what you guys think about this film once you've seen it. And what's, so what's next for you, Stephanie? What are you going to work on?
1: Oh, gosh, I'm just going to get this out there, really. Yeah, I mean, it's we'll, a big year. Yeah, it's a really, we're going to really focus on this and getting a lot of community screenings going and discussions and debates, everything. And um, yeah, I think, you know, one of the other focuses, I think, is the medicine aspect about genetics and medicine. and that's. Mm. It's a, a big part of my you know very very important to me and all the research that we've done so I'd like to kind of be working on that and That's exciting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh good. Okay. Wonderful. <laughs> well thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you so you much. Time. I don't know what happened to our Brent, but Brent, we're sorry that you weren't able to join us. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Brent saw the
1: and, and just was very very kind words. So
0: yeah he's a great writer and he's a really really good reviewer. Um, thank you everybody for joining us today who came to us live and uh for those who are going to watch this a little bit later thank you mm-hmm. okay i stopped the recording okay
1: and i'm gonna stop facebook me. live
0: hang on let me stop the screening okay we are off <laughs> oh no we're <laughs>